This is Dove Tuzman. Good afternoon. Good evening. You're on equal footing. It's nice to be back. I hope everyone had a good Passover, an Easter break, whatever you were celebrating. Uh, I was away last week, so we had a replay. I have been nervous about tonight's show, which is always a good sign. Have had a lot of adrenaline going. Kind of been thinking. I've been thinking for a while about opening up about one of the more painful areas of my life, which is the relationship, the parent-child relationship as an adult child, meaning with my parents and specifically with my mother, uh, and have thought about doing a show with respect to the psychotherapeutics of it around the, you know, psychoanalyzing our, the way we're raised as children and the, the trauma and the difficulties we go through and then how would that gets resolved in our adult lives, I'm sure. Many listeners who have done any form of talk therapy have talked about the relationship with their parents uh, and how that's affected them as adults. But I, there's a lot of content out there about that and I, had, I don't have the expertise. And though I had the opportunity and maybe we'll do a show in the future with, uh, with therapists and psychiatrists around this topic, I thought it would be more raw and real and maybe Folks could identify more and participate more easily if we just made it a personal discussion. So the topic of tonight's show is open wounds. Can broken relationships between parents and children be repaired as adults? Can that healing take place? How does that healing take place from those wounds, from those difficulties we have with um with her parents. As adults, uh, I am a parent, but I'm not talking about the relationship with my nine-year-old daughter, but in this case, with my parents who are, of course, also adults. And I'm joined this evening by a dear friend. We've known each other for decades. Uh, I've always admired his openness, and he brings a different perspective than I do. Uh, we're coming at it from different ages, and I'm coming at it in this context as a, the adult child of parents. And my guest, Marty Feinberg, uh, Moisha, Moisha Feinberg, is uh, coming at it as from the perspective of, of having adult children. So let me introduce my dear friend, Marty. Uh, Marty is a successful media and real estate businessman. He's the owner of Winner Communications. Winner has been airing famous brands on television uh, for over 40 years. He got, for example, GNC Nutrition and Jordachines and other big brands off the ground uh, many years ago. He's also a real estate owner in Manhattan and other locations. And uh, he's a big stock investor, invests in private companies. He's also a well-known art and antique collector. Marty is a renaissance man. He's also a movie producer and director. Uh, we could do a whole nother show on some of the characters he's known over the years. Uh, Petty Marshall, Woody Allen, others. Uh, and he's actually actively right now in the process of opening up a sports club and a comic club uh, in, in Manhattan. And I will, I'm going to embarrass Marty for a second, who's sitting across from me here in the studio, in that I've ha- I had the opportunity to also see uh, his stand-up comedy, which he's not open with. I hope I haven't outed you, Marty, but you, you, you've done some cool stand-up comedy yourself. And, and to the topic of this show, and most importantly, you have a very special and unique relationship with your son, with your daughter. They're both adults. And Marty, maybe, first of all, welcome to Equal Footing. And maybe start us off by telling us a little bit more about where you are in your life now. How old are you? How old are your kids? And in, in where is where are those two relationships holding? Well, <laughs> thank you for having me. Uh, instead of giving my age... I'll describe myself as a, a very old Jew. <laughs> I've been, I, I was born so long ago, I don't even remember. I'm not sure about my real age. No, I'm kidding. Uh, the problem with age, by the way, is people many times judge older people by their age, which I think is I- incorrect. Mm-hmm. Because somebody at 80 
80 may be the new 50. I don't know. <laughs> but I feel more confident and knowledgeable and, uh, and I'm more prudent at 80 than I was at 40 or 50. I didn't uh, know you at 40 or 50, but I, I did know you uh, probably maybe in your late 50s. 50s, late 50s yeah, yeah, and uh, I would agree with your statement. You're, oh. you're, 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 you're not only wiser, you're, you're, you're funnier and maybe even more active, actually. Yeah, so. actually, yeah, I'm more <laughs> active now. Um, did you ask me about my son? Yeah, we're, I mean, you know, we're going to get into some pretty personal stuff here. Uh, I'm certainly going to open up, and I know, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I know you've had a difficult journey in your relationship with your son. Maybe we'll start with your son and, okay. and talk about your daughter, Callie, uh, after. But. It's more with my son. Uh, we were close until he was 16, 17, 18. Then he wanted to be on his own, obviously, or break away from our closeness, which is a, a normal, natural thing. Anyhow, and, and that, but he was at the same time he was suffering from OCD, uh, and anyhow, he then went to Europe by himself for a year. We didn't know where he was. He just disappeared. Then he came back. Um, then he had some kind of breakdown. Anyhow, he then became very religious. He became ultra orthodox, uh, somewhere in between modern orthodox and black hat. Anyhow, my relationship... And how old, how old was he when he went through that kind of religious um, um, process? I think about 26, 27. Hmm. Anyhow, then he went to Israel and uh, made Aliyah in Israel and uh, Jerusalem. And I went there several times. And each time I went there, he, re- he, he just didn't want to speak to me. Then, uh, and why? Why was that? Was that you, you weren't just, religious enough for him, or um, he may have felt I wouldn't accept him because he changed his life around, um, and he had an anger towards me. Um, then, uh, then I went there a few more times, uh, and that was very painful. And then I went there several more times, and he opened up a, uh, and much more and now the last year and a half he calls me every morning between 8 and 8.30 no I'm sorry 8.30 and 9 and he teaches me Torah he's calling you from Israel yeah. so he's it's his afternoon yeah. in the morning here in New York yeah he's seven hours ahead and he calls me every morning from 8.30 to 9 and goes over to Torah and it makes him feel good he feels like a teacher and it makes me feel good because I feel a connection with him, the same kind of, a different connection than I had when he was 14, 15, 16, but a connection. Um, he's still reticent to talk about certain things. He's now looking for a wife for the last six months. But we, the most important thing is that his anger, for whatever reason, has receded. It's kind of interesting. Did he get to the Did he get to the point where he kind of disowned you or what, wouldn't talk to you at all? Yes. Did it feel like you know, yeah? And that's yeah. he a, went a, through that several times. Uh, it often happens. On. We talk about it a lot of that happening the other way: parents disowning their kids because they didn't, st- you know, right. uh, live up to some right. ideal. But I think we don't talk enough in society about the other way around. When a child rejects the the parent, in, 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 cor- in correlation to what you are saying, As an adult. I can't remember my mother. I remember vividly my mother saying to me, "I hope your children do to you what you did to me. Oh, yeah. You took years off my life. Uh, I don't remember of, what I ever did to her, but the same thing happened to me right. let's take <laughs> with a, my son. Let's take a pause for a second and just orient listeners maybe just tuning in. You're on Equal Footing with Dove Tuzman. I'm here with my guest, Marty Feinberg. He's an accomplished businessman, over 40 years of investing in media and real estate. Uh, he's been a producer of Broadway shows, of, of uh, movies and so forth, has had a, an extraordinary and colorful life. But we're not here talking about that. Uh, we're having a discussion, I'm going to open up as well, about the wounds, the difficulties and the pain that is sometimes is so intense around the relationship we have with our parents as adults. And, of course, that originates in our childhood. 
But as adults, how can we repair those relationships? What do those broken relationships look like? This show is not necessarily going to be, as Marty and I were talking before the show, we were pre-gaming a little bit, and it's not necessarily a happy ending type of situation. Maybe Marty's yours has a happier ending than, than the story of myself with the relationship with my mother. But hopefully this will resonate with some of you that uh, that are going through these types of things or have participate in the discussion you can call you don't have to say your name if you feel uncomfortable you can call anonymously or state your name 718-303-9090 that's 718-303-9090 we are live and you can participate you can also text a question if you're shy about being in the radio, and again, you can do so anonymously or mention that you're okay with your name being mentioned, and you can text to 917-428-4062 and to participate in our conversation about healing between adult children and their and their parents. Can these broken relationships, often broken relationships, be repaired? Sorry, Marty. Go ahead. Well, I remember... In my teens, I had an anger towards my father. In retrospect, I don't even know what the anger was about. But later on in my life, I I gave him what I consider the best present every any son could give their father. I bought bungalow colonies in the Catskills, and one <laughs> of them, he was running. And all of a sudden... I love it. That's the best present a son could give his father. Yeah, well, he was running it. And all of a sudden, again, he was a taxi cab driver. He came from a different era. Uh, he grew up in the 20s and 30s and 40s, and and he didn't have the opportunities we have today. But anyhow, at the age of 75, 78, 80, 81, 82, he walked around with a confidence that he never had when he was 40 or 50 just from running this bungalow colony for 12, 13 weeks. Mm. I remember one time, one day, him saying, we had dinner, and he said to me, you don't know anything about the bungalow business. But he said it with such confidence that I had never seen before. And I feel that was the great present that I gave to my my father. Um, and the other thing that stands out to me with my father is we went... Uh, to Florida to to stay for three, four days with my childhood friend. And we stayed in the same bedroom, two feet apart. He was in one bed, I was in the other. All of a sudden, it was like an epiphany. I fell in love with him. It was like... That's beautiful. And this was like, for a couple of weeks, I was just in love with him. The same kind of love you might have... I, we didn't have any physical contact... <laughs> But the same kind of love you might have for a, a man has for a woman or whatever, I never had that feeling. It lasted for a couple of weeks. And this, he was in his 70s at this point. He was in his 70s. Right, so this is he was about 71, 72. Uh, I was about you, 40, 41. Well, we were talking about this earlier today. It really touched me because it sounded to me, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, but it sounded to me like it was the first time, and I guess you were in your 40s at that yeah, point? Yeah, early 40s. That you actually felt the, that profundity of love for him a protection of him a, the same way a man might feel for a woman or a woman may feel for a man it's sort of a, a, a indescribable caring just a, wanting to be with him just looking at him <laughs> i can't even uh, uh, it's it, how do you describe love uh only poets can describe love freud said do you feel like you're, I'm going to get to the relationship with my parents and my mother in particular momentarily, and I'm interested to compare and contrast it to what you're talking about. Do you feel like you had a really good relationship with your father when you were a child and a teen, and then uh, it kind of got better, went through a, a valley, or did you feel like you had a distant and difficult relationship as a childhood well, teen with your dad? he was a loving man. He was a kind man. My mother was very tough. Uh, she came from Europe, and she was came here when she was nine years old, and she just spoke Yiddish, didn't speak English. She was very, very hard. Um, but my father was much more easygoing, so I had a good relationship with him. My mother had a much more complicated relationship, a real love-hate relationship. Um, and the one thing I remember when she she went into a coma when she was like 92 years old and she lied in the hospital for three weeks before she passed away from a lung problem. 
but I remember how much I wanted her to get up for 30 seconds and just say, <laughs> I love you. Right. I, 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 and I, I never had that chance. Yeah. You know, <laughs> though, something strange happened when she died. I, um, I, I went to the hospital with my sister, and um, uh, we left at, I don't know, approximately 11 o'clock. I got home at, t- I lived 10 minutes away, 5 minutes away. Uh, at about 10 after 11, I opened the door and I hear a voice, Marty, Marty. Mm-hmm. I swear to you, I was a voice I heard. And f- a few minutes later, the hospital called me up and said my, my mother passed away. Wow. Uh, and I said, how long ago? She said about 15 minutes ago, which would have been 11. If you would have told me this story, I would have disbelieved it. But it really, really did happen to me. I understand. Uh, I had a loved one pass in my life once, and I also felt that I heard or felt something, uh, which, I, and then I was told later that that was the moment that the passing had taken place. So I, I don't, I don't doubt that or disbelieve you. Wow. You know, it, it, um, I worry about that a lot with my mom. We don't talk. Uh, I, I, you, the listeners of this show know that I open up about a lot of things. I've not opened up about this before. I, uh, we just don't talk. I mean, we, only if uh, only a few civil words here and there, if we happen to you know, have to be in the same place at the same time, uh, it's uh, I don't know how it got here. You know, it's one of those things where it's I guess it's been a snowball that's developed. Uh, I'm 49 uh, over the course of, of decades, but it feels so stuck. I have no idea how to how to go. I don't know what you want to call it. Go back up the hill if it's a snowball that came down the mountain. I, I just don't know how to rewind. Um, and I think about, to your point, of, I mean, it brought some emotion. You're talking about um, what you wanted to tell your mother before she passed. And I think about the Maya Angelou quote around, and she also had a very difficult relationship with her parents, talking about the poet and the civil rights activist who would say that regardless of the relationship you had with your parents, no matter how bad it was, you'll definitely miss them when they're gone. And I worried all the time about, you know, my mother's in her mid-70s, and at some point, am I going to have, um, am I going to feel that for the rest of my life? And how do I, um, how do I, re- how do I untangle that in, uh, in that, uh, that distance at this point? And we're going to take a break <laughs> on that note. Don't come back. And I'll give a little more context. Uh, we'll, can I answer we'll, that? We'll kibitz here. And, and, uh, can I answer what you just said? Let's do that before the break. If you can solve the the the, the distant and stuck and painful uh, relationship with my mother, that is basically a, a relationship of absolute silence before the break, I will. I, I think you have to look at your mother <laughs> and see her limitations, and mm-hmm. not blame yourself for anything that for for any agitation she may have uh, you may have received from her. And see her limitations and just get on, on the phone and say, I want to meet with you. Or just go over to wherever she is and say, I, I want to talk to you. And then uh, it starts with communication. Um, but look at her for her limitations, mm-hmm. I think. And don't say to yourself, she was nasty to me. She was this. She was that. Forget about all that if you can, and accept them as her limitations, not your limitations, her frailties. Right, it allows you to have compassion and uh, lower the lower the temperature of the dispute uh, that, that might be done. I, I I'll think about that over the break. We'll talk more about it in a minute. We'll be we'll be right back on equal footing. I'm Dope Tesman. Equal Footing with Dove Tuzman is brought to you in part by DocuVax. You've heard me talk about DocuVax before. I am very 
excited about this business. If you're a small or medium-sized business owner, a school administrator, even a parent, and you're trying to keep medical records up to date, your family's medical records, your employee's medical record, it is such a pain in the neck these days. You have to uh, call doctors and email and get yeah, get the records. Well, you know what? Your medical records, each individual's medical records belong to you, not to some, uh, not to an insurance company and not to a medical provider. They belong to you. So welcome to DocuVax. It's an easy to use digital locker. It's accessible on your laptop or your smartphone and it allows you to safely store and validate basic medical information like immunization records, lab results, x-rays, MRIs, etc. Gone are the days of losing time tracking down old medical records, sharing test results when you switch healthcare providers. The DocuVac system covers over 60 different elements of your medical profile. Basic biomarkers like COVID vaccines, flu and tetanus vaccines, to colorectal and breast cancer screenings, even serology or blood tests and allergy information. So sign up. It's secure. It's safe. It's always only accessible to you, and you can share it in any way you choose to share it with whomever you choose to share it using a secure QR-based system. You can go to docuvax.com, that's D-O-C-U-V-A-X.com, or you can call 833-859-1933. For as little as $6.99 per month, DocuVax subscribers can privately access all of their medical records from a secure HIPAA-compliant digital storage facility. And this is the best part. As a DocuVac subscriber, medical professionals are on call for you literally 24 hours a day to validate your vaccine records, your blood tests, or anything else in your locker. So put an end to worrying if you or someone you care about or your employees are up to date in a particular vaccine, blood test, or an important preventative screening. Take control of those medical files and sign up at docuvax.com. And if you're in an organ, if you are an organization interested in learning about becoming a docuvax sponsor to get group discounts for employees, you can also call. The number is 833-859-1933. That's 833-859-1933. And if you mention equal footing, you get a 10% discount. Operators are standing by, by so call now. I've been caught, but I'm keeping on, keeping on track. I've been told, but I'm keeping on. Alright, you're back on Equal Footing. I'm Dove Tusman. I'm joined here by Marty. Moisha! Marty Feinberg. Uh, we're, we've been friends for decades. We're talking about stuff that probably neither of us has ever heard, I would imagine, come out of the other's mouth because we're really getting into some very personal stuff about the relationship with our parents, uh, with our children. The theme of tonight's show is about broken relationships between adult children and their parents. We're not talking about when a child's you know, uh, seven years old or even a teenager, but as an adult, can we heal the wounds from the past? Uh, can these broken relationships that exist between parents and children when the children are adults be repaired? So, Marty, before the break, you were talking about in the case of I haven't gone into the whys and wherefores of, of why my mother and I don't don't speak and why there's uh, so much coldness and distance. It feels like we live on different planets. Uh, and you basically said that I should see that as as her limitation and therefore I think have compassion and, and lean into that. Do you, do you want to elaborate on that? Well, um, I think... Either this is my perception that neither one of you have really faced the the pain. Um, in order to change anything, you got to go through pain of how you really feel, how disappointed you are. Um, I mean, both of you, how disappointed you are, how you in, in, in the fact that you don't have a relationship, that you don't even speak to each other practically. Uh, I think you're both really disappointed. I think you're both feeling anguish and pain, but neither one of you are accepting it yet or dealing with it or facing up to it. You know, uh, it was a tough call whether to have a psychologist uh, on the program or a talk therapist, psychiatrist, because there's so much literature on 
what in the end, what in that, let's call it the end, in that practice area is called the, the, the PCR, the parent-child relationship. And I decided not to do that because sometimes I feel like over the years, I've done, you know, plenty of therapy around this topic as many of us have. I feel like it, it, you can get a little bit turned around. Things can get cluttered in your head, and and I just thought we'd have a couple of cover, have a conversation amongst a couple of people at the non-professional um, level. I think that um, it kind of. I, I want to ask you if it boils down to something simpler when you have these type of broken relationships. And it, I, I, and I, I'm not 100% sure where I read this. I think it was a novelist named Chuck Palahniuk, who, who uh, I like, who writes like kind of uh, pretty crazy fiction. Um, but it's that your parents, they, they try to give, first they try to give you your life. You know, they, they're, they're, and, but then they, they try to give you their life. First your parents try to give you your life. You know, build you up and give you the education, the love, and the the uh, what do they call that? The the pace parenting. I think Dr. Dan Hughes called it the, like playfulness, acceptance, curiosity, empathy, pace. Like good parenting, they try to build you up. But then something happens. Something uh, happens. I have to, I have give me, to, yeah. Something happens when you're. I don't. You're depending on the particular you're your teens or your twenties, and your parents then try to give you their life, and it's like you need to become something. It wasn't really about you becoming. Who you wanted to be? I see. You. I'll never forget my mother saying to me over and over again, "You're not my son." There must have been a mistake at the hospital. <laughs> I feel that way with with my mother. I feel like she has. I feel she hates me. I feel like she just, just doesn't like who I am as a human being. And it's uh, she's angry. Maybe I was overstretching your point. <laughs> Do you know the definition of a psychiatrist? Oh, tell me. It's a Jewish doctor that's afraid of blood. <laughs> okay. I thought I'd throw that in. Thanks. Thanks for letting uh, it up. By the way, participate in our discussion. We already have some text questions, by the way, which we'll get to before the next break. You can call 718-303-9090 uh, to participate in this conversation about broken relationships between adult children and their parents. Uh, you can also text a question in at 917-428-4062. Please do share uh, with us questions or your own or your own stories. Marty, uh, this is going to be a little bit, a little bit weird uh, to probably to, to, to say. I'm going to just go for it. There's, it's out of vogue now, but there, you know, for 60, 70 years, a lot of a lot of the uh, a lot of the research and and work in psychoanalytics, which obviously started with Freud, uh, around PCR, around the part. Parent-child relationship uh, had to do with Freud's original um, uh, precept of the Oedipal complex. And my understanding, and I'm, I'm not a I'm not a psychotherapist, uh, but my general understanding of the Oedipal complex is that there's often a uh, a attraction that is rooted perhaps in some sort of subconscious sexual attraction, but really is more as, as life goes on about like an un- unconscious desire to please or other things with the opposite sex parent and a, and really butting heads, uh, and hatred, jealousy of the same sex parent. And, uh, I wonder in, cause we've had different experience in that regard. So first of all, uh, I know you've done therapy as well. I hope I'm not outing you on that. No, point. only 50 years. Right. <laughs> um, so let's talk for a second. Anybody who's gone That's through it. therapy around their, their relationship with no, their parent or child, you, no, so, at some point comes up against either this in in one way or another. There's there, there's more there's, there's research that now is that there's, they use other phraseology. But talk about, what did you feel like the first time you were you were you were told that 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 was kind of okay, the phenomenon? I think we're talking about the Oedipus Rex, and I swear to you that the I used to. At that age, at the age of 13, 12, 13, I don't know, um, it was perhaps around then I started to uh, envision making, having a, some kind of love relationship with my mother, some kind of physical love relationship with my mother. I didn't quite know what it was, but I envisioned it. And I swear to you, I remember the moment when I was 
12, 13, 13, I don't remember the age, when she came into the apartment and I, she rejected me, uh, I, I think I was wearing my underwear or something, and she said, put on your pants, and I knew I had been rejected, and it was very, very, very painful. So the Oedipus Rex, as far as I'm concerned, absolutely unequivocally exists. I think it's certainly a, like a basis, uh, and again, there, there's there's other language now that's used to describe it in, in the psychoanalytic uh, community, but it's certainly a basis either as a way to analyze your relationship with your parents or as, a, as, as something in opposition well, of the way you should I, analyze that I, relationship. Well, I think it's a different, slightly different issue. I think that every child, every male growing up, has this uh, affection, or every female has this uh, attraction, uh, because that's, why wouldn't I think of my mother as the first love object in my life? She was always, she in a lot of ways, she was loving to me and caring, the, the kind of loving and caring I never got from 12-year-old girls or 13-year-old girls. So mm. it's only natural that I would see her as a love object at the 12, 13 so in my case, it resonates, but in the opposite. So I actually, one of the reasons why I've been wanting to do this show is I sometimes wonder if the challenges and and uh, and issues and mistakes that I've had in my love life, and I'm a heterosexual male, so in my case it's with women, um, have has been influenced by my dislike, actually, for my mother. And do I, in a sense, because they say, you know, we date if we date our parents, right? Depending on whether you're heterosexual, homosexual, whatever, you're, you're dating whichever gender you're interested in your whole life. You're kind of, because that's the role, you just said, it's a role model, right? Whether it's an Oedipal complex or not, there's like a model there, a model there of the opposite right. gender that that's you see true. as a child. And I, and I feel like to some extent, I have dated in many cases in my life people that um, were like my mother, and then I end up, you know, Kind of disliking them, or <laughs> wanting to betray them, or wanting to get away from them. You know what I mean? And so, and 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 I and I definitely want to break that pattern for sure. Uh, does that resonate at all for you? Yes. First of all, um, if you feel your mother has rejected you, then there's a feel. I would imagine that um, there's always a fear that somebody close to you will reject you. Right. Um, so you're walking around on eggshells uh, in some of these uh, relationships. And the women that don't reject you, you say to yourself, you know, if she doesn't reject me, uh, she couldn't be too much. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. You, make, you have these horrible narratives you reduce that form. Her, yeah. Her, yeah. You marginalize her for not rejecting you right. because this is what you, you grew I, up with, I'm this complexity. On this, on this point, I'm going to put out something that maybe listeners, if they can get quiet and present for a moment, may identify with. And I think so, because earlier today I was in a conference room of a bunch of like serious business people, and I said I was going to do in a moment. I hope you still have listeners after this show. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I actually, you know, it's funny. I had the one listener just sent a text saying that they just turned on the show. They must have just heard when you were talking about like the the, the sexualization of your mother, which is a psychological yeah, phenomenon. Happens, yes. And they said, what the hell? Like, I just, really, I just got to say, what is this show about tonight? Well, the show is about broken relationships between adult children and parents and how we repair them. That's what the show is. But we are being raw and open, and these are, these are some psychotherapeutic concepts. Anyway, so today I was in a, a meeting in my business life. And they were, they were having a very serious, intense discussion. There was a moment of lightness, and I mentioned I was doing the show tonight on this topic. And I asked some of the folks in the room to discuss uh, some of their issues, and, and, and right away it resonated. Like everybody had bad, re- bad relationship with either both or one of their parents. And I would say everybody in the room was somewhere between their you know, 30s and 50s. I don't think and bad is the right word. I think it's complex. Com- somehow broken. Somehow, somehow in need of repair. Broken. How about that? Yeah, broken. Somehow in need of repair. Yet, okay. Right. And. What was amazing to me is that as the discussion evolved, we only spent five, ten minutes on it. Everybody in the room, and this was a room of a bunch of hard-charging people, lawyers and business people. Everybody in the room in some way was describing the same thing. And I had this like light bulb go off because I had the same experience too, which was feeling like we had to be an adult too soon. And I think I actually – somewhere in my memory, I have been trying to pull it out and trying to find it online. I haven't been able to, so maybe some listener can help on this. 
I actually think there's a diagnosis for that. It's like covert narcissism or I don't know what it is, but it's when your parent, when a parent or parents have a child subconsciously or consciously feel like they need to kind of take care of their parents too early where the parents should be taking care of the child or they need to there's so much pressure to succeed or to get good grades or to perform well in in, in music or in sports or whatever that the the child feels like they have to grow up too quickly and i think a lot of the resentment with my mother has to do somehow with that not so much pressure to to get good grades that type of stuff that was mostly self-imposed and i actually think frankly came more from my father but a feeling of that my mom, who struggled at times with her own uh, mental health um, and was uh, going through difficult times, uh, including divorce and, and, and individual mental health challenges when I was young, that I kind of subtly took on this feeling of I had to take care of her. I had to make sure it was going to be okay. And that's a really unhealthy thing. How old were you then? I would say I started feeling that probably when I was seven or eight. And I'm, I wouldn't have mentioned this on the air other than the fact that there was a commonality of that experience. And I am practically begging a listener to, to if, you've, if you've had therapy and talked about this, to, get, to help me with the, what it's called. Because there's something about that when a young child kind of feels like out of the natural order of things, they need to take care of their parents. I think it's an extreme – I think it emanates from an extreme closeness – um, perhaps even too close between your mother and you at that age, if you feel that you were taking care of her, uh, as opposed to her taking care of you, or, or you may have felt both, but it seems to me, it sounds like an extreme closeness between the two of you at that time. Maybe, to say, which is ironic, because now I feel as distant as I possibly, as I possibly could. Maybe you're you doing know, that I, out of self-preservation. I don't know. <laughs> maybe, maybe. I would say, I would ask my mother to call in, but there's no way she would ever listen to the show. <laughs> Probably, she doesn't know I do a radio show. Uh, she, I feel like she actually, actually doesn't know much, really, about my life, uh, even as uh, approaching approaching 50. We're going to take a break. We're going to come back. I'm here with Marty Feinberg. Uh, he's a comedian. He's a, a, a writer, a producer uh, on Broadway of uh, movies. Also. He's a reproducer, too. He's a reproducer. <laughs> he's two adult children, a successful reproducer. And uh, we're talking about, from different perspectives, Marty with two adult children, myself uh, as an adult <laughs> who is a child of parents, and talking about whether these broken relationships are elements of of uh, of relationships that are broken can be repaired um, later in life. We'll be back on equal footing in just a minute. Yes, my heart belongs to Daddy, so I simply couldn't be bad. Yes, my heart belongs to Daddy. Equal Footing with Dove Tuzman is sponsored by MDCS Dermatology, your experts in skin care. With two Manhattan locations and four offices in Long Island, including Plainview and Comac, the dermatologists and skin care surgeons at MDCS are proud to be affiliated with the Albert Einstein College of Medicine and New York Presbyterian Hospital. So schedule your next skin exam in one of MDCS's convenient New York area locations. To make an appointment, go to www.mdcs.live or call 212-661-DERM. That's 212-661-3376. You can even schedule a virtual video visit with MDCS's board-certified dermatologists from the comfort and safety of your own home. So go to www.mdcs.live or call 212-661-3376. And don't forget to mention Equal Footing for 15% off all cosmetic procedures. Equal Footing with, with uh, Dove Tusman. Oh, that's me. Hardly, I didn't remember my name there for a second. Is also brought to you by Manhattan Medical. Very important message from Manhattan Medical for men. What is more emotionally painful than erectile dysfunction? That's being unable to have enjoyable sex. Manhattan Medical, utilizing the new effective gains wave therapy, can help you achieve excellent results. No expensive blue pills, no invasive surgery. It's free. It's, it's painless. Uh, it, with Manhattan Medical, there are no side effects. 
and for most patients, wonderful results. Manhattan Medical's Gains Wave Therapy can help you. Call and find out more. It, it, the number is 888-ED-CURE-9. That's 888-ED-CURE-9. Manhattan Medical's Gains Wave Therapy has terrific results. Doesn't matter what your age is, even over 80. You know, I have a very close friend who told me about Manhattan Medical and how it fundamentally changed his love life, his confidence. It was the only thing that really worked for him in this area. Call now for a free consultation. That's 888-ED-CURE-9 or 888-332-8739. And mention that you heard uh, about it on equal footing, that you heard about Manhattan Medical and its Gaines Wave Therapy for erectile dysfunction, and you get a free consultation. So that's 888-332-8739. Call now. I've been Uh, we're back on Equal Footing. I'm Dove Tusman. I'm here with Moisha Feinberg. We are talking, Marty, otherwise known as Marty, we're talking about broken relationships as adult children with our parents or as parents with adult children. Marty, we got a few texts in actually over the break and helping me because you know, I was asking before what is the syndrome that I was talking about where a child feels that they're, uh, they need to take care of their parents at an age that's unhealthy. I mean, later in their life, of course, it makes sense in the natural order of life that we are to take care of our parents. But Yeah, it, but that's later on in your 30s or 40s to take care of your child, uh, your parents when you're 8, 9, 10 years old. That's uh, And of course, practically, we're not talking about that our parent, parents expecting me to pay the rent when I was 8 or something. It's a psychological thing. It's like, in my case, yeah. it was, I thought my, I, I realized later that I felt like my mother was unwell and that I somehow was responsible for her being unwell. And, uh, and that was something I internalized. So anyway, it's a form of codependency. It is, as I was saying, a, a, a diagnosable uh, form of that. And it's a form of codependent transference where parents sometimes of course, unconsciously, no parent wants to intentionally um, hurt their child I mean, in any way, mentally or physically. And so there's this, uh, you know, uh, uh, making a, a, a child, um, it's a codependent relationship. And then it, it, it tends to um, encourage other codependent relationships uh, later in life. Let's, let's, before we get to a couple other text questions, let's, Marty, Get to your go back to where we started and get to the kind of happy ending to the story with your son Jack, because I witnessed and one of the reasons I wanted to have you on the show is I witnessed the sadness and the pain of his disowning you and for many years you either not speaking or speaking very little and now I witness in some cases in some cases personally you. On the phone with him nearly every day of the week. Every day except Shabbos. Right. Studying Torah. He's in Israel. You're here. And that closeness, I mean, you just must be, I don't know, like brimming over with with happiness. For parents that are listening that have a child that feels distant from them or has disowned them, how did you get there? How did you cross that Slowly, um, arduously. um, It it was – look – I never stopped from the time he was 18 trying to maintain a closeness. Um, He pulled away. So it was really he who changed. Um, All I could do is try and try and try and keep trying till he reached a certain point in his life that he was, you know, felt more comfortable with me. Uh, The anger mitigated. Um, How long did it take, Marty? How many years? I don't know, maybe eight, ten years. Yeah. It I doesn't happen like, overnight. Yeah, you that's know. an important message for people to hear. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, I mean, I haven't gotten there with my mother, but we're talking about years, many years, decades at this point of, of, uh, that we need to rewind. You know, her. when you're talking about when you're eight years old and you wanted to, it only could lead to disappointment for you at the age of eight, nine, ten because you never really could take care of your mother. So what you're describing is an inherent disappointment that you couldn't uh, avoid. In a certain sense, a feeling, a feeling of, of that she's 
disappointed in me permanently. And I think, therefore, I've, to some degree, I've, I've attracted women in my life who I then disappoint. <laughs> um, and it's a shitty pattern. Um, a, a listener has sent in that, that maybe the specific name for this is emotional parent, parentification. So I guess it's a thing. <laughs> um, I want to read a, 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 a text question uh, to you, uh, Marty. There's, um, and I think to some degree you were describing this, but in this case, this listener says that uh, for him, um, the, the codependency was due to his mother making him feel guilty about everything and particularly at how much she was sacrificing for him and he wasn't appreciating. And now... Must have had a Jewish or Italian mother. <laughs> I don't, I, uh, I'm not going to say his, his ethnicity on the on the air, but... I had a lot of the same... Yeah, I, that's why I asked same, you, because I yeah. think you did. And, and now um, he's, he's in his late 50s, and he now sees that it wasn't fair, that it wasn't really true, that, that, uh, that it wasn't that way, that, that she was sacrificing... That much, yeah. And and Uh, you want to talk to them? I'll never forget my therapist at the time, this is years ago, said, his mother said to him, like my mother said to me, you've taken years off my life. So I said to him, how old is your mother? She said, he said, 94. (laughs) 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 I'm going to take advice from a listener also, by the way, who earlier in the show had said that I should remind the audience that my guest is a comedian. (laughs) Because <laughs> <No. laughs> this is heavy, heavy stuff. We're I do about. stand up, but I do a lot of other things. That's not my prime, right. my prime living. Right. Uh, so uh, I there's a there's an also a, a a question that actually that comes in from a listener um, that uh, I think is quoting somebody else, uh, but saying that, that as a parent, your children will become who you are. So be who you want them to be and hmm. says that that's, that's a quote. Great. I don't know where the quote comes from, but I think it, it sounds true to me. And and sometimes I I think as a I, – that one, as a father, I have a nine-year-old girl. And, and as a father, that one seems like intuitive and obvious, like try to be a paragon, try to be the best example. I struggle with it a lot as a child though. As a, I don't know what – you know what that means so then what do, what do i do because then that goes back into that loop of feeling like i'm i'm trying to please someone who i can never please yeah um you know what maybe you can please her and she just doesn't show it the way you would like to hear it but she doesn't say it the way you'd like to hear it but maybe she really does Maybe she is really proud of you and all the things you've accomplished over the years. And maybe she's more involved. Look, she has her own Mishigas. She has her own... Uh, Translate that for our non-Jewish listeners. <laughs> what is Mishigas? She has her own troubles. Um, and it goes back to her parents, which went back to their parents, and actually, which goes another generation. You know, another at some generation. point we're going to do a show on uh, intergenerational... Transmission of trauma, and I'm glad you mentioned that because her, she was the oldest child of Holocaust survivors. My grandparents, my mother's parents, were were Holocaust survivors and lived through horrors, including the loss of uh, most and of you, their families. You can't get a normal childhood from this, <laughs> right. from that. It's horrible. And then it, I mean, just well, um, the horror two generations she must have away. suffered. God, she was. Yeah, her her parents, my grandparents, and blessed memory, who I love dearly, and were also very complex people, uh, lived with tremendous pain, and I'm sure they passed that on to her. You know, before when you were talking about, you know, you sh- about the achievement, like she wouldn't be proud. See, the, the the narrative I have in my head when anybody says that, well, maybe she really is proud of you, or maybe she does recognize because I have this I have this narrative in my head that she doesn't know that I ever took a company public or that I was ever married or that and she knows I have a daughter of course but you know the wonderful things about my daughter that she does that she knows nothing and I know that narrative is not not really true but then of course what I do is I right away go to yeah but there are all the things she must also be ashamed of all the mistakes I've made all the missteps all of the you know the, just the things that she so I right away go to shame I don't think 
I, I don't think parents live with the shame unless you murdered somebody or um, they may be disappointed if you've gone through divorces or or uh, or went or, to jail. I mean, or went to you know, jail. Or I spent whatever. I spent ten and a half months in in jail yeah, at one point in my life. I mean, not for something was, bad. It was a you know was insanity a financial and, thing, but that was ridiculous. I, that's part of the narrative that fits into the narrative for me. I mean, long before I, I, that, I, I felt the narrative of shame, but it. Well, you know, this is a very complex topic, parent um, parent relationships. Um, there's many levels to it, and, and how you feel towards your parents at 30 is different than at 50. It's different than at 80. And but there's one thing: no matter how angry you get, you're still tied in. You still have a, a connection. You know, what they say, the other side of, of hate is love. There's still mm. a love and still a connection. I don't care if your parents has been done, have, have been, have passed away 40 years ago. It doesn't go away. Your parents are inside of you. With that, we're going to come back. We're going to have one more break and then we're going to uh, finish up. Uh, that you, and that's why I wanted to do this show because I don't want to, have the story end either ship go into harbor either my mother's or mine and not have somehow uh, healed that so we'll be back right back on equal footing talking about the parent-child relationship as an adult have no fear the monster's gone he's on Footing with Dove Tusman is brought to you in part by Mechanical Art Capital. Mechanical Art Capital offers financing to watch collectors and watch dealers from anywhere in the world. Unlock the cash value of your watch collection or your inventory through Mechanical Art Capital's guaranteed buyback contracts. It's simple. It's easy. Only takes maybe 10, 15 minutes to fill out. For more information, call 833 833- Two zero nine zero nine seven two. That's eight three three two zero nine zero nine seven two. Operators are standing by. You can also go to mechanicalartcapital.com. So unlock that cash value, reasonable rates on your watch collection or your watch inventory. That's eight three three two zero nine zero nine seven two. I've been called. All right, you're back on Equal Footing. I'm Dove Tusman. I'm here with Marty Feinberg, and we're in our our, our final segment. And I'm 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 like sweating because I want I want this to end well. You know, I don't want it to be depressing for folks listening. We're talking about the open wounds in the parent-child relationship as an adult. How do we heal them? And Marty Feinberg, my guest, has talked about the rapprochement with his son, and it took nearly a decade. But uh, now they're very close and from previously having basically no communication. I'm still out in the desert uh, with my mother. I, we have basically uh, no relationship. So, um, Yeah, well, this is hard work. This is hard work. I mean, you have to get on the phone or go there and say, we haven't spoken to each other for a long time. I'd, I'd like to have dinner with you or... I'll, I'm, I'm conscious of the time. I'll just tell a very, just a very brief anecdote related to that. A few years ago, I tried something like that. And because it's very difficult to get into the subject matter, I think you're getting at that. And I just said, can we go together and see a therapist together? And it was hard. I took a few calls and texts and finally she agreed. And I drove up to Massachusetts, which is where she lives. And I showed up at the, uh, at the therapist. And as in so many other things in my life, at least that's my narrative, that's my story, right? That she doesn't show up, whether it's, you know, it was my wedding or whether it was a graduation or whether it was, you know, uh, the whatever, when it brought a company public or my daughter was born or whatever, these different, these different moments. 
And it's not a fair narrative. I admi- I acknowledge, like, <laughs> I, I gloss over it moments she didn't, when she was there. You invited but to all these events and she never showed that's up? That's my narrative, meaning that's my story and I'm sticking by it. And I know what I'm saying, but I'm saying that tongue-in-cheek. I know it's not totally true, but that's the narrative, unfortunately. It sits in my head because it happened so many times. And so a few years ago, I showed up at the therapist's office. I drove up, whatever it was, three and a half, four hours. And I waited. She didn't show up. And so my fear is, okay, if I lean in. So what I've done is I've cauterized the wounds. That's why this, this show is called Open Wounds. I've cauterized the wound. Let me not talk about it, I, which I haven't – I don't do a lot, right? Let me let me just you know move on with life, and I'm sealing off that, that alley of emotion. That's, I'm closing off that, that street. Um, but that doesn't work either, and I don't want to die without having you know healed the, healed the wound. All right. So well, you know, you can't control another person. You can only control yourself. Even that's difficult. A listener said something very similar to what you just said. Uh, she writes, "Remember the Little Prince." You know, the wonderful book. You are responsible for the ones you tame. You are responsible for the ones you tame. So parents need to take the first step. Okay, thank you, listener, for making me feel better. <laughs> uh, actually, she writes something very. Very beautiful here, so I'm, I'm going to choose to read at least some of it on the air. Um, I think it's the role of a parent, regardless of the parent's age, to be the more mature and bigger person in a relationship and reach out first to try to reconcile. If not to reconcile, to at least make peace and not to feel anger anymore. Younger people, regardless of their age, are always going to be more hot-hearted so it's the responsibility of a parent to be more mature and give the child of whatever age an open door. The parent will actually benefit more, benefit from peace more than they might imagine. Uh, so does that resonate with you? I think that that's what you decided to do. You, you're the one that approached Jack, right? I mean, yes. you're he yes. would have. Yes. I mean, it seemed like he was just not going to communicate right. with you again if you didn't. Re- Right. I didn't go to Israel. I mean, that's a long trip back and forth. Uh, and I did that a couple of times without having it be able to communicate with him. He just walked away from me. Uh, one time he ran away from me. It was quite painful. Um, but That's slowly, right. I remember that. You did a trip to Israel, and he basically didn't. He was at a yeshiva, and he saw me, uh, and, and he, physically he just ran away. away. Yeah. Um, uh, sec- How did you have the strength of char- character to go back? How did you because go back? Because he was after- my son, and because I, uh, I believe that he had his problems. Um, I separated from my wife when he was like ten months old, so I always felt a, a strong guilt about that. And to some degree, uh, he psychologically—I don't know what degree—he psychologically suffered from my. From my, I don't know how to describe it, um, from my relationship with my wife at the time, but I think it was more my fault. Uh, and uh, I, uh, I just felt that he was so worthwhile, and um, I wanted to work this out one way or the other to the, everything at the best of my, of my ability. Um, I tracked him down, so to speak. Yeah. You, you had to actually find him. You yeah, didn't know where he was. Him. That was <laughs> yeah. uh, and I finally located him and, um, in a yeshiva. And, um, but then I went back again six months later to the same yeshiva. And again, again the same thing occurred. And then I went again uh, a year later or six months later to Jerusalem and... Somehow, the, I think we had dinner a couple of times or something, and then. Well, it, but it took you know years. We're we're up on on time in just a, a moment here, Marty. I'm so grateful that that you joined and for opening up about your oh, story. Oh, thank I'm you so, so much for having me. I hope. I warms my heart that you and Jack have been able to have that rapprochement. I've uh, been joined here on equal footing by my dear friend Marty Feinberg. We've been friends for a long, long time. He's a producer, a writer, a comedian, a businessman, man of many talents. And mom, if you're someday, if you're listening, you're not listening, I know that right now, but if you someday hear this, I uh, I love you and I miss you. And uh, I'd love to have 
that healing experience that my friend Marty's had with his son. We'll talk to you next week on Equal Footing. Thanks for joining. Just the other day, he came to the world in the usual way. But there were planes to catch and bills to pay. He learned to walk while I was away. And he was talking for I knew it. And as he grew, he'd say, I'm gonna be like you, Dad. You know I'm gonna be like you. And the cats in the cradle and the silver spoon. Little boy blue and the man on the moon. When you're coming home, Dad, I don't know when. But we'll get together then. You know we'll have a good time now.